Luke chapter 18. Let's uh, all stand and read a few verses out of Luke 18, starting with verse number 9. Even now as you stand, just ask the Lord, Lord, help me uh, get everything I can get out of this scripture uh, so that I might be uh, even more pleasing in your eyes before I leave this service today. Verse 9, and he spake the this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Very important phrase there. Which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust adulterers. Or even as this um, publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless the reading of your word, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would recognize this is your word. And Father, might we treat it with great respect. And Father, might we listen carefully as these words are from our God in heaven. And I pray, Heavenly Father, as we read through scripture, that the scripture will become alive to us and real to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Well, two men went to the temple to pray. Yeah. One was a Pharisee and one was a publican. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees were the most influential religious group of Judaism. And uh, having originated in about 135 uh, B.C., they were the conservative theologians uh, as compared to the Sadducees, uh, who were in charge of the temple, also in charge of the Sanhedrin. And uh, they um, were not as the Pharisees. They're, theirs was more uh, societal than it was uh, legalistic, although they did have their rules. Uh, the Pharisees came from the scribes, and the uh, Sadducees, they came from the priests. Now, this was all, um, they, they were both together together. Uh, when um, they were taken into captivity and when they were brought back out of captivity, if you remember in Ezra, uh, for some of the Old Testament uh, folks that really enjoy reading the Old Testament and the history of it, uh, they, they split. Uh, in Ezra's day, the, the priests and the scribes, uh, but then they became uh, more and more separated. And now we have, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Pharisees made a tragic mistake, and they kept on interpreting the law. See, they were really involved with the law. They loved the law, and they kept on interpreting it and reinterpreting the law. And so instead of the Ten Commandments, they had as many as 954 different commandments. Some say between 600 and 954 different uh, 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 laws that they had made up. Why did they make these up? Because they made these laws up. Uh, to help you live your contemporary life. Uh, these laws would help you please God, they thought. Uh, Jesus uh, was telling them that this uh, 
orthodox way of thinking was not the kind of thinking that uh, was going to get them into heaven nor get them in good favor with God. Uh, many times these Pharisees were hypercritical. And we have a word that we use for hypercritical. We say it's hypercritical, but they were also hypocrites uh, because uh, they weren't uh, living the way they uh, said that everyone else should live. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 23. You still with me? Don't leave me yet. Matthew 23, 23. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 23. The Bible says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. All right, let's stop there for a second. Uh, and then he goes on, ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. I love the Lord Jesus Christ's words. And, you know, as I look at this, and if I were to say that to you folks today, you say, he's mean. I'm not mean. It's very biblical. And if you need it, then take it. Amen. Three of you said Amen. Ye blind guides would strain at the gnat and swallow. He was talking to the most conservative uh, theologians of the day. And he was calling them. uh, What does he call them? Uh, He calls them. Ye blind guides. Ye blind guides. But before that he, uh, he says. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. Hypocrites. He's going back to the words uh, of. uh, of the Pharisees. Well, as we have this picture in our mind, let's look at this picture. These guys, they're, they're, they're saying, hey, listen, uh, uh, picture's a religious leader, and he's sitting in a garden, and he's going through, and he's looking at all the different herbs there, and he's going like, all right, here's ten herbs. Um, here's a leaf. Here's a bay leaf. Let's, uh, that's ten, nine, ten, tenth bay leaf. Here, you take that. Okay, let's go down. Uh, here's coming. Uh, okay, let's take that. Take a seed from there. And let's why why he's concentrating on that on those different herbs in the garden instead of listening to the cry of the poor outside in the street, and that's the picture that Jesus gives us here in Matthew twenty three twenty three. They were ignoring the cries of the poor outside the garden. In Matthew chapter fifteen, let's take a look at that. Matthew chapter fifteen. Go back just to give us an idea. Of these Pharisees. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Let's go back to verse 8. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their heart is, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. Jesus said, you Pharisees, your worship is in vain, like the Jewish law required uh, everyone to fast, every Jew to fast on the Day of Atonement. The Pharisees said, wait a second, we're going to fast twice a week. We're going to take it to a new standard. We've interpreted this to mean that this really pleases God, so let's tw- fast twice a week. See, they were more concerned about the outside than they were the inside, just like some of you are. 
more concerned about your outside appearance than your inside heart. Remember Samuel? Remember what he told uh, uh, Jesse and all the rest of them when they were looking for a king? And he said, no, I don't want the biggest, strongest son. I want that one because God sees the heart. God see, I want David. God sees the heart. God knows the heart. God sees the inside. So the picture illustrated here, Jesus gives us the Pharisee and the publican. A publican, a publican was a, uh, not a Republican, but a publican was a collector of Roman uh, revenue, a tax collector. He collected tax and duty tax. He collected tax on about anything and everything you own. He collected tax on anything and everything and everywhere you went. He collected road tax. He collected sales tax. He collected bridge tolls. He collected river crossing tax. I'm telling you, he collected, he collected harbor dues. He collected town dues. He collected wife tax. He collected market tax, property tax, assessment fees. He collected them all. If you wanted official license, you had to go to the publican. He had those licenses for you too. Matter of fact, you wanted to send a letter. You had to go to the publican because he had a stamp like a stamp. And he was the most powerful and most unpopular guy around because he took your money. And uh, people that take our money, and we're not real excited about them. You know, my son-in-law's, Aaron's dad, uh, Larry Wilson's a great guy. But we, 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 we said, you know, Larry, just the nicest guy in the world, but he's a tax assessor. And then to add to that, Jim, add to that, he also referees basketball. <laughs> to think that, what do you think, guy? To think that he doesn't have enough grief, and then he says, hey, I want more grief. Even in my time off, I want to ref basketball. <laughs> and he's a basketball ref. We always tease him about that. But Jesus gives the contrast between the Pharisee and the publican. All right, if you can see that contrast, raise your right hand. You see that contrast? There's a great contrast there. Uh, whose prayer do you think got above the ceiling? The publicans. What? Yeah, the publicans. The publicans' prayer got above the ceiling. The Pharisees' prayer, it was not very uh, worthwhile. We need to take heed to the words of Jesus and follow instructions so that our prayers will get through the ceiling, so that we have access to the very God of heaven. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, the positions of these men, their position for prayer. All right, so we see the Pharisee. He stood where everyone could see him. He was going to make sure that everyone could see him and that everyone could hear him. Uh, these uh, positions are in reference to the holy place. In the middle of the temple. The publican was standing afar off. He's standing afar off. The Pharisee, he's standing in the, in the place uh, where everyone could see him. The publican got as far away from the center of attraction as he could. The, the Pharisee wanted the center of attraction put on him. See, the publican sensed uh, that uh, he was sinful. He sensed that he was unworthy to pray to God. He sensed his unworthiness. He recognized that he was a sinner. A couple of things for us to remember here. A 
couple good things for us to remember. First of all, we are all sinners. The only difference between me and you, if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, is I'm a sinner saved by grace, and you're a sinner that needs to be saved. It's so very important to recognize that. A couple things. First of all, sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Romans 5 and verse number 12. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. <clears throat> Romans 5 and verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man. Who was that one man? It was Adam. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. If we had a target up here today, I was at uh, Brother Hightower's church in uh, November, and we did the missions conference for him. And he said, Preacher, I need you to come down to the basement. I want to show you something I got. And I said, What would you get? And he said, I got a crossbow. And I said, Really? I said, You know, I've never shot a crossbow in my entire life. He said, Yeah, I want you to shoot this crossbow. He said, I said, Down in your basement? He said, Yeah. It's about from here to that wall away. Uh, the target was, and so we got one end of the uh, uh, one end of the basement, and and he put the target up at the other end of the basement, and uh, he said, "Now don't be like my friend." I said, "What friend?" He was talking about his friend, Kim, uh, what's his name, Kimber, Kimber. Uh, but anyway, he said when he shot it, he missed the entire target and it hit the wall and broke my arrow, and uh, and I said there was a, a pad behind this so that when the arrow got into the target, it would save the arrow. I said, "No problem." And so I uh, got it, and I mean, a crossbow. How many have ever shot a crossbow? I mean, I mean, if Robin Hood would have had one of those, he'd be able to take a lot of King John's money. But anyway, uh, I was looking through it. It's got a scope on it and everything, and I got down, and I looked at it, and I said, wow, this is, is this scope on? He said, it's on perfect, preacher. And so I pulled that trigger right through the middle of the target. Huh? Come on, hand of applause, somebody. Come on. And I said, that was so fun. Can I try it again? He said, yeah, try it again. And so I tried it again and went right through the middle of the He said, preacher, that's good. That's real good. I said, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if I had missed that target or missed the bullseye, that would have been missing the mark. There is in all of our lives sin, and sin is missing the mark. And the only way we can hit the mark is through accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And he puts us back online. He puts us back in the center. He gives us that opportunity to know God. And it's by the grace of God that we have that opportunity. The publican was a publican. He was a mess. And he, he knew he was a mess. He, he, how many complaints would he hear during the day? How many people would be confronting him during the day? The publican sensed his sinfulness. And maybe he was charging all oh, the toll for to go down this road is five bucks. Oh, but today, mama said she needed bread and milk. So today, it's five fifty, And he'd skim off a little bit on the top. That's what publicans were known for. They would skim off a little on the top. He recognized he was a sinner. He recognized that he had missed the mark. He recognized that because of Adam and Eve's sin, that uh, he did not deserve to speak with God. Ephesians chapter 2. Take your Bibles and turn there. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 
and verse number 12. Look at it with me. The Bible says that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Oh, great. How great is that? But second, he recognized that sin had separated him from God, but there's nothing good in his flesh like there's nothing good in our flesh. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, for there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23, for the wages are no, for, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only goodness we have is the goodness we receive from Jesus. The only righteousness I have is imputed righteousness from God. The, the Pharisee was so involved in following the rules and following the laws, he thought he was doing what God wanted him to do, but God was saying, no, your, your righteousness in the Old Testament, the Bible says, is as filthy rags, the dirtiest, filthiest rag you can imagine. There is nothing that we can do to make amends for our sin, but except Jesus Christ is our Savior, so he cleanses us from our sins. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The reason that I have access to the very throne room of God today is because of the atonement, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is so great to recognize that I have access into the very throne room of God because I've asked Jesus to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. Did you hear me? It wasn't baptism that gave me that entrance into the very throne room of God. It wasn't church membership. It wasn't doing good. It wasn't giving money. It wasn't doing good works. It wasn't helping the poor. It wasn't sending money to the rescue mission. It wasn't any of those things that got me in good stead with my God. It was only by, because I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. That is why I have access to the very throne room of God. I only have that righteousness that right to God, to get near to God, the righteous God, because of Jesus. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Bible says. And after I'm saved, I need to recognize that sin will still be a part of my life. It won't take away my relationship with God, but it will take away my fellowship with God. See, I am now a son of God. I am now joint heir with Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8 tells me. I am now ready to enjoy an inheritance from God. I am now a part of the family of God, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. But my fellowship with God can be broken or hindered. So I need to confess sin. The word confess, as used in the Bible, 1 John 1, 9 means to see sin as God sees sin. I need to agree with God that I have sinned and ask God to help me take care of that sin by asking forgiveness of that sin. Not asking him back into my heart, but asking forgiveness of that sin. So we see their positions. 
There he is, the publican standing afar off. Here he is, the Pharisee. Hear me, I'm praying. Yes, I'm not as the publican. Now let's notice the problem. The publican shares or is ashamed of his sin. The Pharisee is justified in his own eyes. The publican would not lift up so much as his eyes on the heaven. Their shame because of his sin. Take your Bibles and turn to Ezra. Just go back to Ezra. Uh, chapter 9, verse number 6. Ezra 9, 6. Ezra chapter 9. Are you with me? Ezra chapter 9, verse number 6. Ezra 9, verse number 6, and said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Ezra explaining the sin of the Israelites as they now are getting back from their captivity. Why do they go in captivity? Because they're God's children. But they were being judged for unconfessed sin. Yeah, the publican was conscious of his sin. Yeah, that's a problem today. You know, I've been around for a while. Did you know that? I've been around for a while. You know, the truth of the matter is there's a lot of Christians that live with sin in their lives. They're just nodding, recognizing their sin. But, hey, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than the publican over there. Yeah. And they don't even see when they say that they're falling to the sin of pride right away. But it's a sad, sad commentary that they're not honoring God with their lives. They're hanging on to something. They're hanging on to some sin. Oh, they're not drinking and smoking or stealing or... You know, like the publican over there. But they're full of anger. They're full of bitterness. You got so many problems with people. They don't see that the main problem is themselves. You know, it's a sad commentary. The Pharisee was conscious only of the sin of others, not his own sin. Publican? Oh, he knew he was a sinner. Hypercritical, that Pharisee was. Hypocritical, that Pharisee was. It's so easy to become hypercritical and then become hypocritical when we forget that we are just sinners saved by grace. With all the information and all the law and all the interpreting, the Pharisees had still allowed their egocentric self to pass judgment on others. And Jesus specifically is saying this Pharisee is passing judgment on that publican. Judge not lest ye be judged. Matthew chapter 7. But let's go back. With all the information, all the law the Pharisee had, he still allowed his egocentric self to pass judgment on the Pharisee. Let's go back to our text. Let's go back to... Uh, Luke chapter 18 and verse number 9. Why did Jesus even speak this parable? The Bible says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in everyone. 
Tell the person next to you. Trust it in. Try, tell the person next to you. On the other side. <laughs> themselves. That they were righteous and despised others. And despised others. <sighs> Position. No problem. The remorse? No, it was more than remorse. But that's what we get today, remorse. We're sad we're caught. Sad that we're not getting what we really wanted because God's not hearing the desires of our heart because he's not hearing our prayers. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. The penitence. The way to God. The publican. Let's picture it. Far off, smote upon his breast, beat his chest. Why? Because he was aware of sin. So easy when you're in the Bible, in church, when you're doing for God, it's so easy. Remember, this was a conservative theologue. It's so easy to, to, to forget what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7. Take your Bibles and turn there. Romans chapter 7, verse number 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Wait, 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 wait. Who are you talking about? Paul. St. Paul. I'm talking about me. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. What was he talking about there? When I do good, then I feel good about it. And God, you've got to be pleased with me. And hey, everyone else has to be pleased with me too. But I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing in captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who, who are you talking about, Paul? I'm talking about me. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with my flesh, the law of sin. He gives us a great illustration here. Back in his day, there was a king, King Mathenius. King Mathenius, if you killed somebody, you know what he'd do? If you were tried and found guilty, he would take that dead person if it was, wasn't somebody that was already buried but, and tie that dead person on your back until it yeah I mean that would be a way to curb 
killing until it rotted off your back. That's the picture we get here. The penitence. Not just remorse. This attitude that the publican had was a spirit of repentance. Not just, I'm sorry that we can say so easily, but I have sinned, and that sin is what put Jesus on the cross of Calvary. God, you see my sin. You see my dirty hands. God, cleanse my hands and cleanse my life. God, I want to be pleasing in your sight. I'm fighting the flesh all the time. I know it, dear God. But God, I'm not going to let pride stand in the way of me having the right kind of fellowship with you. I want that. I've sinned against you, God. When we sin, we may sin against others, but we sin ultimately against God. Isaiah, what a great prophet he was. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, I love it. God tells Isaiah, get your eyes off the king. The king is dead. I'm your king. Get your eyes on me. Isaiah says he sees God. He senses God. And he said, God, I see it. I sense it. So Isaiah writes in Isaiah 57, verse 15. He said, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart. Of the contrite ones. Contrite. Humble. Contrite. No, not the Pharisee. The publican. David in Psalm 51. Take your Bibles and turn there in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, Christian friend, let let me tell you. After salvation, we need to know how to get rid of sin in our lives. We need to know... That we 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 are we are in we are we're messing ourselves up to live the Christian life with sin abounding in our lives. David tried it, it didn't work. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto thy multitude, thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Would to God that every Christian in this room would recognize that is an important measure that we must take in order to stay right with God. God, search my heart. Know my heart today. God, know my heart and show me if there be any wicked way in me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. What are you talking about, David? You did sin with Bathsheba, her husband. You did sin with your sons. You did sin with your... No, it's against God. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. He knew about Adam's sin, Romans 5, 12. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and the hidden part. Thou shalt... Make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear 
uh, joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors. The fourth thing I want us to see is the plea. The prayer itself. Be merciful to me, a sinner. First we see the approach for salvation here. Mercy, not merit. We see the approach to our sins being forgiven. Mercy, not merit. The publican says, I need mercy. The Pharisee says, I have religion. I have good works. I'm good enough. Mercy, not merit. We see the approach has to be this humble approach. I need mercy. Then we see next, he says, uh, we see the acknowledgement. For salvation. Me, a sinner. You'll not get saved if you don't acknowledge, first of all, that you're a sinner and you need saving. Sometimes the hardest thing to do when somebody needs Christ is to get them lost. After they recognize they need Christ, they don't need... I mean, the church will help them after they get saved. The baptism is obedience to Christ and and, uh, all the other things that are involved in Christian living... Uh, serving and and uh, giving out the gospel, those things are all important. But first, you have to recognize you need Jesus as your Savior. You're not get saved if you don't acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. To get saved, you need to recognize you're lost in your sin. So, he uses the word mercy. Notice, again, let's take our Bibles and turn back there. He uses the word mercy. Notice he says, um, uh, And the publican, verse 13, Standing afar off would not lift himself much up his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The word merciful is a great word. The word mercy there, if you take it apart, you see the word atone. Isn't that neat? Atone. Atone. Makes, make reco- make rec- reconciliation for me. Be merciful to me. It points to the blood sacrifice that everybody in the Jewish church knew about, everybody in the temple knew about. Well, this was pointing to the prophetic time when Jesus would go to the cross of Calvary and shed his precious blood so that we could have forgiveness of our sin. Atonement speaks of the cross, the ultimate sacrifice for mankind, the sacrifice given to us by God. For God so loved the world, he gave his, own, he, he, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Beyond salvation, for those of us who know Christ, the blood has covered our sins and keeps covering our sins. Aren't you glad about that, Danny? Keeps uncovering our sins. 
the wonderful grace of God, that sufficient grace for every area. We can get puffed up and we can start feeling righteous in ourselves. The publican meant business with God. The Pharisee was so familiar with the law and so familiar with theology, it was business as usual. He was religious, but not right. He missed the point with God. He missed the point of prayer. He missed the point of the law. The law would drive us to Jesus. He may have had a reformed conduct. He may have been sincerely a good man. As a publican could have been just a rotten guy. But before God, his religion was in vain. You can tell a lot about a man's heart when he prays. James chapter 3. Take your Bibles and turn there. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Verses 11 and 12. That the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter... Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Uh-huh. Yep. First Samuel 16, 7. Remember, God sees the heart. God sees your heart today. God knows your heart today. Oh, how we need powerful prayers. Oh, how we, our missionaries need uh, Christians here in the U.S. praying for them so that their services will be unhindered by the devil, so that our services can go forth and souls be saved. God sees your heart today. And oh, how we need Christians that uh, don't have petrified prayers, but they have powerful prayers. Don't have prideful prayers, but powerful prayers. They're, they're not hypercritical because they realize they're sinners saved by grace. They come to God with humble hearts. They come to God with thankful hearts. They come to God with hearts that are filled with, with mercy and grace. And God's love. How's your prayer life? Would you like to clear us a little bit? Would you like to public it over there? Huh? Your prayer is getting up. Above the sparkling ceiling? Or are you just hearing yourself? Say words. Father, I thank you for this time you've given us today, and I thank you for your word. And Father, in a message like this, it takes a great amount of humility to receive these words, even as Jesus gave these words some 2,000 years ago. But they're so alive today from your living word. 
I pray, dear God, today that we would take inventory of our lives. Father, see uh, if we are harboring some sin as Christians. See if we're not accomplishing what we want to accomplish through our prayer lives. I pray today, Father, that there be Christians that would say, you know, I'm going to take to heart the word of God. I want my prayers to be powerful. I want my prayers to be answered. I'm going to take care of sin that's been hindering my prayers. And Father, for some that are here today without Christ as their Savior, I pray today they'd see that they need to bow their head and ask Jesus to come into their heart and forgive them of their sin. Oh, yes, dear Lord, we're so thankful that we didn't have to be born in a certain cast to be saved or have a certain amount of money to be saved or be as the Pharisees obey a certain number of laws to be saved Father we're thankful if we come to you with humble repentance you'll forgive us of our sin and give us a home in heaven Give us a better life, a great life. And Father, I pray you'd bless in this time of invitation. I pray for some Christians today that have just been reminded about the importance of prayer. As they look back at last week, they can't see a week of answered prayer. They can't see a week where they spent much time in prayer at all. Oh, dear God in heaven, help us. Help us to see that you want that communication. Help us, dear God, to do exactly what you want us to do with your word today.